Thank you, and good evening, church. To uh, be visiting with you, I'm honored to speak to you. Uh, I'm going to invite you tonight to consider um, what I'm going to share with you. I'm going to build right off of what Jen was talking about right there at the end. That's precisely uh, the area that that really allows my heart to to flutter and. I encourage you as a church to test my words. I'm probably going to try to stretch things as, as those who know me um, know that I do. Uh, I've got a pretty aggressive take on uh, the Trinity being inside of us and us inside the Trinity in terms of relationship. And so I'm going to talk to you tonight about you, the creation, and how amazing you are. And as I tell my kids all the time, um, how much I clap for you. Um, how much you are worthy of applause. And that's not typical uh, conversation that we usually hear in church. Uh, there are other things that are taught that are valuable, humility, uh, being quiet, things of that nature. Uh, but this is this is an area that I would consider more my aroma of what I bring to the body. And so, as I said, uh, just consider my words in the end as a, as a body as individuals, we all get to test these things out and find out which which has value and which is worth burning up as the shaft burns up. So, uh, so anyway, it's great to visit with you. Um, I want to stress that every one of you also brings a certain amount of an aroma uh, to the body, and it's not insignificant. It's very valuable, uh, lest you think that it uh, doesn't have merit or you don't always know the magic words to say. Um, there is significance in what you bring to the table. And if you remember the aroma of Christ, let me quickly, I'm going to share a few things tonight that hopefully will be kind of fun. Um, I'm going to start with just a few scriptures here. And the first one here, if you remember this one, 2 Corinthians 2, 15 and 17, for those of you writing it down, 2 Corinthians 2, 15 and 17, for we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing, to the one an aroma of death to death, to the other an aroma of life to life. And who is adequate for these things? For we are not like many, peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. Now, Pastor Larry has said this multiple times. I don't exactly know everything that that means right there, but it sure sounds good. And so that's the first thing that I want to just talk about is this aroma that I bring to the church, which is looking at creation and and saying, wow, um, pretty amazing. Um, so as an example, I, I took a look at when and where I started to have this view of people, and it started probably back when videos on social media began to be a thing, even before the the infamous TikTok days. And I was always drawn to these videos that were highlighting these amazing feats. That's F-E-A-T-S, for those of you wondering. <laughs> these amazing feats of what people were doing. And it captivated me that people were always pushing the edges of, of physical uh, accomplishments. And so... As an example, I got a couple to share from share with you here. Go back to my screen and let's see here. There we go. So you start right here. Now, this is firefighter training, and these guys are carrying, I don't know how long of a ladder that is. 
and they're planting it like it's a pole vault. And then they hop up and they go to the next window. And things like this just amaze me. Now, I'm not sure about you, but I wouldn't even really stick my head out of one of those windows and look down too much. But you can see this guy just plants it, hooks it, and starts climbing. Doesn't miss a beat. So those things are pretty incredible. Now, you you folks live in Colorado, so this next one is probably not uh, too crazy for you. Hopefully, you're seeing this okay. This beyond expert mountain biking that goes on. Now, this is insane to me. I'm sure we don't see all of the uh, all the different ways that people get hurt and break bones and maybe even pass away. But as 51 years old, I would be walking gingerly down some of these paths and these folks are riding bicycles. Now, what it must take to get themselves to this point, that's worth my applause. And these are these are physical acts that are going on that they have obviously trained for. And uh, if you if you ever want to see any more of these, you can just look for people are amazing videos and you'll see all sorts of of cool videos of things that that people uh, can do. And and so you can you can kind of join with me on that. But that's that's where this started for me, uh, this this fascination of what people uh, could do. Um, and then I began to ask myself other questions as I considered the God in us, and what exactly that meant, I began to ask questions in terms of, is, you know, is, is that creative nature of God inside of us? Is that ability to shape the world around me inside of us? Do we have, do we have that capability because of being made in his image? I began to push those sorts of questions and usually I get some pushback when we talk I talk about this in faith circles because there's a lot of things that we could say that that are limitations, um, physical limitations, propensity to sin, um, things of that nature. And it usually causes a person to shrink back a little bit when they're talking about these things. For me, I began to consider something as simple as uh, tomorrow, as an example, tomorrow's Saturday. And uh, in our place, that's a day. My wife is on here right now. She'll tell you that I'll get up at six o'clock. I'll start my chores and then I'll probably be outside having fun, uh, working all day on my little 40 acres that I have. And I'll probably come away with either some poison ivy or a scratch or a bruise or something of that nature. And what do I expect from what's going to happen then? I expect that my body is going to heal itself. And that is fascinating to me. Uh, those of you who are sitting in the room today, you've experienced that. You, you have a cut, uh, you have some sort of injury, and the body goes to work. That's how God designed it to heal itself. I'd break it down a little bit further, and I consider the uh, just the nature of, of blood cells. Now, we might have some, some doctor figures in the room, those who have studied medicine and know a lot more about this than I do. Uh, those of you who might work in a hospital, um, I jotted some things down just because I wanted to make sure I didn't forget it. White blood cells, and as, as an example, leukocytes. These are the, the mechanism inside our body that protect us against uh, from illness and disease. This is the immunity part of our body. White blood cells are always at war against anything 
that is a foreign substance trying to invade our body. That's fascinating to me that that's how God created us. Red blood cells, you probably realize or remember, these are the oxygen-carrying cells that carry oxygen. And out of that, eventually, we breathe out carbon dioxide. And again, there's a fascination there that I have with that, that the carbon dioxide that we breathe out actually breathes life into the world around us in the form of uh, plants and vegetation, things like that. And so that's those are areas that that I see physically inside of us that tell me that there's a lot of potential there. Another one that's kind of funny that uh, my wife would probably tell me, don't mention this one, but every time I think about it, I, I get a kick out of this. So the excretory system in our body. So <laughs> we have the ability to eat too much ice cream, to drink too much beer, to uh, overdo it on red or red meat, you name it. We've got the ability to overdo it past what our body needs. And our body has a system of, of taking in what it wants, what it's valuable, what's valuable and kicking out the rest. Now, of course, that's a stinky process as we all know. And here's the part that makes me think that, that our heavenly father has a sense of humor. And I know I, I'm not really Hearing right now, people are gasping in the room, or if you are uh, chuckling, I'm not sure. I'm just going to go with it, though. In the in the process itself, it's almost as if the father said, I'm going to have some fun with them. And when they get rid of the stuff that's not good for them, I'm going to make it somewhat pleasurable for them. I'm going to, you know, you have to go to the bathroom, and you've waited for a long time, and finally you have to go. And it's not like it hurts. It's it's a relief, and that's just fascinating, the whole system. So, so what's the problem with any of this? Well, we've got some uh we've got some credibility of how our physical body works. I guess my question is, is you know, how does God see us? Uh, do we have our uh, do we have the the ability in our relationship with the Father to to impress, uh, to cause God to Consider, do we have those sorts of capabilities within us? So I, I have a couple more scriptures I wanted to share that things that have just kind of stuck with me, and I will get to those right now. Let's see here. So many of you probably recognize this, Matthew 15, latter part, 26 and 20, 28. And so if you remember this particular passage, it's, a, it's, an, it's an older woman who comes to Jesus, and she's not an Israelite not Hebrew. And he answered and said, it's not good to take children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs, which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, oh woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. There's an exchange that's happening there. There's actual real relationship where Jesus is responding to him, to this lady. We, he, she responds back, and he says, wow, your faith is great. I think that's a wonderful story. I got another one for you. you many of you remember this, Matthew 8. Uh, this is a little bit before verse 10. It's the centurion soldier. And when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him and saying, Lord, my servant is laying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. 
I skipped a couple of verses in here. That's why maybe it doesn't make sense. But for, and so it goes to verse nine. For I am also a man of authority, said the soldier, with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, he goes. I say to another, come, and he comes. I say to the slave, do this, and he does it. Now, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, truly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. So there are some scenarios that we see in scripture that tell us that there's real exchange that's happening here. There's a real impression that that we can also leave on the very one who created us. I happen to think that's that's pretty fascinating. Not sure if you've ever looked at it that way. I think this gets to be a real tough conversation when we start talking about, well, how how do I, am I claiming that I'm shaping the world around us in any, in, in any way? Um, maybe, maybe we do. There's a reason that we decree and we declare things um, that has merit to it. Trying to, I don't want to go too deep with this and I don't want to go off in too many tangents uh, because it's, it's a big topic. A couple of weeks ago, I appreciated that we had a, we had Riley share and it was a, a chance to, to ask, to see what a 20, something person, the questions that they're asking, the things that they're seeing. And he brought up something that that was a difficult thing in our, our culture today, suicide, um, mental illness, things of this nature. And I began to ask myself, um, what do I think about those things? Have we made those things into giants in our culture, into gods in our culture? because of how we revere them, how we fear them, how we pull back from those things. I'm not sure. Uh, Pastor Vicki said something a few weeks back in a group we were in. She said, I think we've treated cancer as if it's a God in how we talk about it and how we, how we fear it and things of this nature. It's a big topic, and there's certainly a lot of perspectives on it. But what is within me to speak to these things as I'm encountering them throughout my life? Do I have the ability to, to shape the world around me? One of the easiest ways that I have answered a firm yes to that is this beautiful gift that God's given us called repentance. Now, when I, as I grew up, uh, repentance was always tied to uh, sin and high remorse, feeling bad for the sin, because if you felt bad enough, that was going to mean you didn't do it again. And as I've grown, especially over the last eight years or so, I've realized this is a pretty neat gift that God's given us, and we practice this with our children at home all the time. Repentance is nothing more than than changing the way you're thinking about something. So you'd be surprised what our 12-year-old, 10-year-old, and 6-year-old get upset about. They didn't help with the full chores. He's supposed to do the water, and they get all torqued off about all sorts of things, and we have a chance to sit with them and say, consider what just cost you to lose your peace that you have at a natural state right now? Is it really worth it? And we began to work with them on changing those thought processes. And within minutes, sometimes, that irritated, yelling kid goes to a place of calm and they're able to move past whatever it was the offense or whatever the issue was. And so I think there is something that's there that we have inside of ourselves to to change the world around us. Now, probably the biggest obstacle 
with this sort of conversation that I see, and I'll probably start to end it here, is we do process things as if we're on the outside looking in. That rears its ugly head at times. Um, I can say this, um, wife and I have been a part of uh, quite a few churches. I have over the years. I was always mentored by pastors in churches. Joyland's pretty unique. Uh, there, there are things that we we have centered on and treated as these are the main things that that uh, are pretty refreshing. And so many of these concepts we've explored multiple times. We'll continue to explore them. And the idea that we're not separated from the Father, Son, and the Spirit, but we are in the actual relationship with the Trinity, that's fairly common to us. However, it does rear its ugly head at times. And sometimes I catch it, and sometimes I don't. That's one of the biggest factors that I see that we start to process this sort of topic of, do you have the capabilities within yourself to change the world around you? Because instantly we start saying, well, Jesus has got to be involved. Well, he already is. Why are we considering that he's not? And so that's the question I, I would like to leave us. Uh, what do we think about our ability to shape the world, to impact the world? Is it a surprise I have a question for you, Jeremy? So um, similar to when I did my SNAP talk, I'm going to ask you the question that was asked of me with the assumption that God's in you and you're aware of that. There's times potentially when you may forget, maybe don't remember that God's in me or in you. What do you do when you decide that you have forgotten to try to bring back the focus that God is in you. I, I probably have a more fuller answer. The first thing that pops in my mind is I do approach this fairly aggressively. I have personal beliefs about what that means that God is in me as an example. You see accounts of Jesus healing people as he walked this earth. He was usually moved in the spirit. He usually healed them. And then right before the person departed, what did he say to him? Go and sin no more. What does that mean? Is that a figurative phrase or is that a literal phrase? Um, that's I guess that's how aggressively I, I approach this is it's pretty, pretty unique to be in the same relationship with the Trinity that Jesus is in. And that's how I view it. I probably do forget it, Ronnie, at times. And when I do, I think I've learned that, ah, a little bit of pruning right there. Um, I don't treat it terrible. It's not this great thing that I have to, to account for. It's I miss that one. It's usually going to come out in how I'm how I'm processing through something, um, or the those of you who are parents, you probably realize this too. Uh, it comes out a lot as you're raising your kids because you realize that uh, uh, you know if you're if you're grace, 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 and you're trying not to put a put a, a finger on 
law or legalities or things like that. And then all of a sudden you're setting up all sorts of rules in your house. It's, it's, uh, it's right in your face. And so that's probably uh, where it comes out the most. And sometimes that, that repentance is, is a, is a forgiveness that I seek out for whoever it was I was talking to. And sometimes that's my kids. (laughs) I was wrong to, as an example, one of the things that I've done with my kids, I'll try to make this really quick here so everybody can else ask other questions, but um wanted them to watch good Christian shows on a Sunday. So I made up a rule that we were going to do that. And what a way to establish a love for the Lord <laughs> by establishing a rule. So um so that's that's an example. And I end up having to go back to him and ask for forgiveness. Uh Ron, I'm not sure if that was really getting to the heart of your question, but hopefully it did okay. Yeah, Jeremy, I I appreciate your talk. We always uh, need more encouragement in in how we see ourselves or how God sees us and uh, be always reminded of that. And I'm always encouraged how you you minister to your kids in the way you do and during conflict. That is awesome. I know with me, I screwed up big time with my kids. But I found redemption I, by asking forgiveness, and God is, uh, re, has redeemed that with my kids, and we've got a wonderful relationship. But, um, you know, we, even though we make mistakes, God is still able to work through those things and that. Uh, but but um, I'm sure that there's been times that you just lost it and had to go back and correct things with the, <laughs> with the kids. Yep. So, Jeremy, I agree with the idea of everyone being truly amazing. God lives within us. Um, Can you speak at all to any thoughts you might have on if we can change the world individually, how we might transform it as a body together, you know, working, working together with one another? Operating out of a place of confidence is something that that I've noticed when people are operating from a place of confidence, when they know their value, when they know uh, know who they are, um, when they know their their purpose, that does something to electrify people um, for for years. And and most people here at our church know that this is not something that we struggle with. For years, uh, women were held at bay uh, with certain things that they could or couldn't do within the church. Um, still have that going on today where people will will chastise. Um, and so I I probably am easy easiest to to do what you're asking because I'm always looking at what makes a person tick. Um, what's their perspective? Why do they think the way they do? Um, what what things are they naturally really good at and how can we capitalize on them? Now these are uh, I'm sorry, what was your name? Um, I, I love the word acknowledge, acknowledge, you know, right now we have a lot of, a lot of political drama that goes on because people don't acknowledge things that they could acknowledge that they could say, yes, that's happening. And so that acknowledgement of, of, of my wife, who's Amy in the, my corner, top right corner of this zoom meeting right there, you know, she is the nurturer of our family. I used to get irritated with her because she didn't clean the house as much. Okay, that's a that's a that's a uh, uh, a confession. And then I realized I don't nurture the kids like she does. Somebody better do this, and she's really really good at it. 
And so I backed off and started letting her do her job and, and, and it produced a lot of good value. So Adam, uh, for me, it's, it's a matter of, of just really looking at people, studying them, uh, finding out, you know, at, I, I would say this, it was a little discouraging when Riley spoke because I got the feeling that we don't have a lot of kids that age, young people that age who are willing, who are in our church and maybe willing to speak more often. And we need that. We need to hear what they're thinking and what they're speaking. So thanks for the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Adam uh, sparked another question for me. And um, you do sales, correct? Yeah. So you, you're in front of people all the time. How do you present, how do you present yourself as a Christian to others in, in, in conversation or actions or, or how does that work for you? And um, just. Yeah. Uh, there are some lines that are appropriate to cross. Uh, one gal had lost her husband as one of my customers several years ago. I noticed her last name changed and I asked her about it. I said, Tara, I noticed you're, you're no longer a pirate anymore, but you're Olson. What's happened in your life? Kind of an odd question from a sales guy to have asked a customer in, in South Dakota. And, uh, and she really lit up and she was able to share with me how she, she uh, found a, a, a uh, new love. And, and so I, I, I get, uh, allow some personal stuff to, to find their way to the surface. Um, I acknowledge when my tool or my product that I'm selling is not really working for the customer. Um, I try to keep from arguing with them about it uh, and just listen to what they have to say. These are, again, these are, this is sales 101, uh, but it's not really hard when every one of you, you know, uh, you have the, the Trinity inside of you. Expressions of love are fairly easy for you. Even those of you who have, have had some abusive situations, it can flow out of you. It probably does flow out of you very well. And just simply operating in that is is going to bring a lot of life. It's going to bring a lot of fulfillment. And that's that's what I do uh, when I'm when I'm visiting my customers. Uh, I just I'd allow that to to come out. Um, I I do kind of apply one little thing. I, I don't swear. <laughs> um, you know, I don't swear in front of them just because I just a personal thing. Uh, but, but that doesn't mean that it's wrong. I, my wife and I sometimes swear (laughs) one-on-one, but, uh, mostly her. So (laughs) totally joking, totally joking. (laughs) Well, that's, that's awesome. Uh, and I see, uh, Amy there, uh, uh, yeah, because sometimes, um, a lot of, times people ask, well, how do you, how do you represent Jesus to others? And I say, just being with people and allowing the Holy Spirit speak to you in, in uh, whatever you might think of saying. And it could just be loving in a different way. Uh, it doesn't have to be, uh, do you know Jesus Christ is your personal savior type thing. It just uh, be, be in the moment and ask, Lord, where am I, where are you in this relationship? Yeah, uh, it's, this is probably not the last time we talk about this topic. I'd love to come back another time. I want to leave room for the next speaker uh, to just have a Snapchat. Um, so if you have some other thoughts, 
jot them down. Uh, I can get an email address to anybody. I'd love to have more dialogue about this. Love to have you join us on a Monday night to talk through some of these things when we meet for an hour. Uh, but I really appreciate you giving me a time, chance to spare, uh, to speak and, and uh, yeah, love you all. So Cheryl's also one of those on Tuesday night that like when she speaks, I'm listening because it's always amazing. And I always, I always just want to say, I just want to hear more from you. And so I'm delighted that you said yes um, to this because we want to hear from you. You got great things to share. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I spent a lot of time praying and just asking Jesus what I should share tonight because for anybody who knows me, this is so far beyond my comfort zone, it's miles away. So, um, but I knew I needed to say yes because these Snapchats are some of my favorite nights and just to get different people's voices up here is so important. So I knew I needed to say yes and he would help me and guide me along. And he just kept telling me to share my voice. And that wasn't very specific. And so I was like, okay, yep, I'm going to talk. Um, and so just to share some of my life with you all, because um, as we're growing in relationship with a lot of you, I know a lot of you don't know a lot of my history and background. So I was, I'm from Napanee, Indiana, uh, born and raised in the cornfields. My parents were both raised Amish, but never joined the church. So I just have a large extended family that all basically still lives within a few square miles of each other. Um, I, my brother was 18 months younger than me and my sister's eight years younger than me. Um, growing up, our home life was pretty rocky. Uh, my parents, came to a relationship with Jesus, which is why they never joined the Amish church, but their marriage was very tumultuous all along and just a lot of uh, coldness, distance, fighting. Um, and a, they divorced when I was 15, but really it wasn't, it was bad all along my childhood. So I grew up very shy, extremely timid, and never felt like I fit in very well, which was hard when I had an extremely gregarious younger brother who was only a year behind me in school that everybody loved and was, he was the, he got invited to like the popular kids in my grades parties and things and I'd go pick him up there from them. But you know, it was not me who was invited to the parties, it was always him. And I was always jealous of how easily he fit in and seemed to just flourish in our church. Um, it was a pretty charismatic church that I grew up in, and he just fit in and flowed. He was part of the worship team, and I was always just jealous at how easy he made everything seem. And I knew, I always, I mean, I grew up knowing God loved me and having a relationship with him all along, but still having a lot of insecurities and doubt in that and always was, uh, jealous of anyone who seemed comfortable with their relationship with him. Um, and I should say that it was in fourth grade that Adam moved to my school. And my first distinct memory of him was him and Alex 
fighting on the playground, punching each other. And if someone had told me, fourth grade me, what my future held, I would have been horrified. Um, it was, would have been shocking. Um, so, but growing up, I always knew I wanted to be a mom. That was like, I just wanted my own family. I wanted to be a mom. That was just my big dream. In high school, I worked a little bit for a tax preparer, made some pretty good money for a high schooler, and thought, you know what, accounting is very practical. I could be a, use it and be a mom. So I decided that was where I was going to go to college for. I was the first one in my family to graduate high school. My parents only had an eighth grade education, and I decided I was going to go to college too. And I was the first one to graduate college in my family also. Um, and so Adam waited until our senior year to ask me out on a date. And I really liked him. But I did not want to date him because he was moving to Colorado. And I never, I mean, all of my family still lives in the same area. I was never going to live anywhere else. Like, I just, it felt very serious to get into a relationship with Adam because he, it was, he was a really great guy, and I really liked him. So it wasn't just a casual dating. It would have been very serious. So I went on some dates but didn't want to really commit to a relationship because it felt too scary. And with him moving so soon, just seemed too hard. But he convinced me. And we decided to do long-distance dating for our freshman year of college, and that was a nightmare. Um, it was so hard being apart from each other and trying to have, because we were still fairly new in our relationship, and he said, you need to transfer to Colorado. And I said, I will not move across the country for a boyfriend. So he came home over Thanksgiving break and proposed. <laughs> so we were married after our freshman year of college. And I did go to Colorado because if he was committed enough to marry me, I would move for him. Um, but we were always going to go back to Indiana because that was the only place I ever really wanted to live. College is fine, but Indiana was home with my family and everyone there. And he was totally okay with that. Yeah, we'll move back. But it was became very obvious very early on he wanted to stay in Colorado when we once we were married. And I was like, you said we would go back to Indiana. And it was just this constant tension because he loved Colorado. He didn't want to move anywhere. And I hated Colorado. I didn't want to live here anymore. It was, it was in Gunnison. The winters were brutal. And it was very isolating. I, I grew up in such a big family. And everybody was so close. And I just felt very alone. And I did not enjoy Colorado at all. So graduation was coming, time to look for jobs, and he convinced me with a year of work that it would be easier to get jobs back in Indiana. So we should just work for a year in Colorado. And I said, this is it. I will give you that one year of us working, but then you, you said you would. And it was just this tension because we always like being on set different pages about something so important where you live was a, bit, a lot of strain on a very very young marriage and um we came to colorado springs because he got his job offer first and i found a job too and started working full-time both of us got our cpa licenses and things and it was such a tension because he wanted to go and finally it's like okay god i am so tired of being on different pages about this i'm giving it to you 
This is, you have to change someone's heart in this because we're on such different pages. And I thought, because I was being the mature one, he would for sure change Adam's heart. But he didn't, he changed my heart and I fell in love with Colorado Springs. So all of a sudden I was like, I don't want to move back to Indiana anymore. I feel like this is home. This is where we're putting roots down. This is where I want to have my family and things like that. So it was a big shock to me. He even had a job offer to go to Indianapolis. They wanted him to move to Indiana. And I said, no, we shouldn't do that. And so that was, I was like, okay, yeah, no, he changed my heart. That's, that's uh, definitely how he did it. So um, I was working as an auditor and tax preparer, but really I just wanted to be a mom. And it took us a little longer than we planned on, but in 2011, we had our Evelyn. And I got to quit my job and become a stay-at-home mom, which was my dream. But it was actually an extremely challenging season for us and me. And it, was, it felt very hard for me because I felt very alone. And I was like, why, God, this was my dream. Why should something that I've literally always dreamed of feel so isolating and alone. And at that time, the church we were going to was, we even, we basically stopped going because it was pretty theologically sound and doctrine. And we read through the Bible verse by verse, and, but there was just a lot of law and no joy, no, you know, but it, they were, there was a lot of pride and like arrogance about, oh, well, those other churches, you have to worry about them and things. And so um, we, in uh Late in 2013 was when some friends of ours invited us to a house church that they were becoming part of. And I was so desperate for people that I was like, Adam, I really want to go. And he was so anti-people. He's like, no, it sounds like a nightmare. And I mean, he wouldn't even want to go to a normal church service, much less somewhere where you're just in people's, like in a house and talking to people. And so we, I, we went. I had a great evening meeting these people. Adam was with the guys, and so we were leaving, and I said, well, how was your evening? Expecting him to tell me how much he hated. He goes, I had a really good time, and I was floored because that was so not in his character. And so we started attending the house church, and that was really, being around them was the start of us actually understanding grace, like really in a transformative way that brings life, not just quoting the Bible and the scriptures and things, like actually having a relationship that brings life and joy into your life and um, relationships and community like we had never had. And um, and that same time, I was really excited to share this with my brother Mark because he, who had always been so passionate for Jesus and on fire during college, started questioning everything. Is there a God? Is there all these things, and we'd have these conversations, and it was awesome because he could, he would open up and talk to me about the doubts he had, which was not allowed in the community we grew up in. I mean, with the Amish, and like you can't question if there's a God, like you can't doubt anything. Like those questions are like that are not allowed, and it was just really nice to talk. Like, and he's like, I still you know, pray in tongues because it brings me peace because he was struggling. So like he had all these questions, but he didn't have peace not believing in God. And so I really was excited as I was starting to understand grace better. I was like, okay, this is going, I'm going to be able to actually share real 
like actual, like the gospel is actually good news. And I didn't know that. And so I was excited to share this. But um, on February 22nd, 2014, I got the phone call I never expected um, that my, my brother had committed suicide. So it's, we, we just seemed to keep coming up in these conversations. So um, though I knew he didn't have peace, I didn't know the depth. He, he was very good at hiding because he was such a, a outgoing, uplifting person. He hid dep- his depression extremely well from everyone. And um, it was a, such a shock for our family. And we just, I mean, I was like, oh, that I saw he didn't have peace, but I thought that was what was going to bring him back to truth. I didn't know, you know, he hid the depths of that from all of us. And um, so, yeah, so February 22nd was this day that just um, threw everything, like just completely shattered our world. And uh, we went back to Indiana right away. We left that day, started driving, and um, we got back, surrounded the support of the community and our family and friends was just enormous, um, especially for my parents, all the love and support they got. And uh, when it came time for his funeral, I was, they told us we were going, they were going to seat the family soon. And like they had everybody else in there and they were about to seat us in the front. And I was dreading it because I don't, I didn't even want to go in. But so I was hiding in the bathroom a little bit. And I was washing my hands and I was like, God, I don't even know what to ask for right now. Like I was, I don't even know what to pray. And just out and out of nowhere, he just spoke the name Samuel Mark to me. And it, and I was like, whoa, that was just out of nowhere. And I was like, I know, I knew Samuel had a meeting. And when I looked it up, it um, means God has heard or asked of God. And now those of you who know our family know how this story ends. But at the time, I was like, I don't know what this promise means, but it was clearly a promise. And um, we wanted more children. Always, We were wanting more children even then, and it wasn't happening. But um, I, I was like, okay, this is a promise, and it feels like a promised child for our family. And so I got to tell my family about it, and I said, I don't know exactly how this is going to work, but God really spoke to me, and he promised he clearly heard me, and he promised me this name, but I didn't know how it was going to work out. So as time went by, in um, 2015, we had our Lydia Grace, who everybody knows and loves, and she just brings so much joy. But she was clearly not Samuel. And I, um, so we kept trying. I had a miscarriage in 2017, and the years kept going by. And I was like, I don't know what this, I I don't know how you're going to do this, God, but I'm whole, I just held on. I just believed very strongly that this was such a promise from God that I could rest in that. And in the summer of 2018, at that time we were attending the Rock Church up in Castle Rock. And I had an extremely vivid dream, which I never remember my dreams. I, I, I'm jealous of people who do. I just, they just leave right away and I don't hold on to them. But I had a dream that we were in church and they did an altar call and they said any women who are having reproductive issues, anything like that to come forward. 
for prayer. And so I was like, oh, that's me. I'm going to go because we've been trying for years. And um, when I got up there, the man started praying for me, and he put his hand on my stomach, and he stopped, and he goes, you're pregnant already. And I woke up, and I was like, whoa, that was intense. And I took a pregnancy test, and it was positive. And I was pregnant already. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, okay, so this one, maybe this is our Samuel Mark. And I, we did an ultrasound to find out when my due date was. And I, they were like, oh, hey, you're about six weeks along, and your due date is February 22nd. And I was like, whoa, God, okay, okay. I was just in awe, in awe and I, had, I was like, okay, this is going to kind of hit like a landmine to my family. Like, they'll be so excited I'm pregnant, but when I share my due date, it's going to hit differently than telling them about my other pregnancies. And I was like, I, I'm pretty confident this is going to be a little boy with that due date. And sure enough, we got to find out he was a boy. And all through the pregnancy, I just kept, okay, God, I don't know. You know, most babies don't come on their due dates, but I think this one's going to because everything was just lining up so perfectly. So February 2019 comes around. I have my dad come out. I was like, Dad, I'm pretty sure he's going to come on his due date. Can you be out here to watch the girls? So when he comes, we can just go to the hospital. And all of the 21st, I was walking. I was like, okay, he's going to come. And I had one little baby contraction. I thought, I'm going to go over. I'm, he's, I don't know if he's going to come on the 22nd or not. And so we went to bed that night, and I was feeling a little discouraged, thinking I'm, that it wasn't going to happen because I wasn't having any signs. And I woke up at 11.45 p.m., and I was like, whoa, it's happening. So I told Adam that he could sleep a little longer. I was going to take a shower, but I couldn't even make it to the shower. I was like, nope, we got to go to the hospital. And I got to send all of my family messages for them to see it, that it was starting. And um, it was such a unique experience. So that day has, is such a hard day. And to have to experience labor on it, where you are having tremendous pain, but it is a process and it is bringing in life felt so healing and so right as a way to grieve and like have it, but like it was, he was coming and it was time and it was um, very therapeutic on that day to experience labor. And um, at 6.02 a.m., Samuel Mark Smith made his debut on February 22nd, exactly five years from the day I lost my brother. Um, and all nine pounds, six ounces of him. He was huge. <laughs> um, and so now, like, my family has the, it's still a bit of a disjoint on that day because we have our grief, but we also have this tremendous blessing. And you've Sam brings life everywhere he goes, and he is just a, a true blessing to everyone, and especially to my family. Like, it just, he, you know, he's a promise. He was absolutely a promise in my life, and I feel like it just shows how redemptive God is, that, like, not only did he redeem such a deep loss, he did, like, you know, I always wanted to be a mom, and so to do it, like, through one of my children feels so intimate the way he knows me and loves me, and, yeah. So, 
yeah, now you know a bit of my journey. <laughs> So good. Thank you for being so vulnerable with us and opening up your heart to share. It's really tremendous. So much of that I didn't know, but amazing, amazing. So Ronnie wants to be first up again. So go ahead, Ronnie. Thanks for sharing that. That was awesome. You're welcome. Um, in the beginning of your talk, you were mentioning you were praying that God would change Adam. Yes. yes. And he ended up changing you. Yes. Uh, I was curious if there's anything else that's happened in your life that was similar, where you asked God to do something and you ended up being the one that changed. I feel like in small ways it happens all the time because there's something when you really give something to God, there's a humbleness in that, that you're okaying however he's going to work. And so that's one of the biggest, like strongest ways he's done it. But um, it, I feel like it happens a lot in relationships. In your relationship with Adam, uh, you've already just told us about a couple of times where God's changed your life or changed your mind. How do you uh, go about conflict in your marriage? Do you, and, and not just decisions, yeah. like decisions that you have to make and so forth. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, I don't, I feel like a lot of it is, I mean, what I tend to want to do is follow the peace. Like if it's something, um, thankfully there hasn't been lots of big issues that we haven't been on. The, like, I think in general with big issues, we've been on the same page. There hasn't been like a lot where it was like a very, a big issue. It's usually small things, but to just... <laughs> Yeah, a lot of little ones, a lot of little ones. And so I think, I mean, it's something we could definitely do better about too, but just to try to follow the peace and maybe even seek things separately to come back together and try again if we're not on the same page about things. But. The other question, I know a little bit about your uh, finances, that you guys are financial free. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, how, did, how did that come about? Do, is it something that you were grown, grown up in so or is it and as a I, couple? So I feel like I would naturally have been the saver in any relationship except with him. I have a, I like compared to him, I'm not the saver in the relationship. But if I'd been married to anybody else, I, I have a more frugal thing too. But he would, but compared to him, I look, you know, ridiculous like a ridiculous spender. Um, so that was a lot of Adams, like kind of directing it there. But for me, the ultimate goal was to be a stay-at-home mom. And so I, it was, I could get behind that because the goal was the freedom for me to not have to work. And that was so important to me that it wasn't hard to follow, like, well, it was hard to follow some of the things he did, but not in general, to save and cheap. be. Just say it. I was cheap. He was very cheap. It's, but a lot of couples, they, they just can't see themselves with one one person earning the money. Yeah. They, and so they, so it's good to have an example. It can be done. It, it, it can. And I would say it would have been a lot harder, like if 
I hadn't just so strongly wanted to stay home with the kids, it would have been much harder for me to kind of scale back on some of the things and work around things like that. <laughs> hey, great job. Thank you. That was so good. Um, thanks for sharing everything. I loved it. Um, okay, I'm going to collide from the first guy who's talking about oneness and anyone who knows me knows I love that topic. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah. Uh, and often what comes up with oneness is the benefits of oneness, the results, the fruit versus the intentionality. To me, it's relationship. It always comes back to like us just being with him and him being with us, you know, um, which leads me actually to my question for you because you shared so much of your story and I would love to hear just different um, aspects through your journey, whatever you want to share, of through this process of life, who you've received Jesus to be for yourself. Like, like if you were talking to us about Jesus and you were introducing us to a new friend, like who has this been? Who has this friend been for you? You know, in this process. Like, so I mean, one of the biggest things for me is he is my redeemer. Like he didn't. He never wanted Mark to commit suicide. He was, you know, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It was not his will like that Mark made that decision. But he loves us so much, he was not going to not redeem, like, the hardest thing that I've had to walk through. So I just feel like, and it was, he was such a, it was such an intimate redemption for me. So it, it just, like, he knows me so well that he knew this would be the ultimate redemption in my life is another child and to give me Sam. So, um, so he is a redeemer through and through. <laughs> so you guys do a really good job. You and Adam seem to do a really good job raising your kids. And we thank you for that. It's a wonderful picture. Um, what we see may be different than what happens elsewhere. Maybe. I don't know. Um, so I didn't know that you had an accounting background. I'm a CPA also. Go, go nerdy. Yeah, yeah. very, very so, nerdy. <laughs> um, generally, accountants can be, the right word is anal. Yes, he has all of that. He has. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so... Part of my, or my question primarily is with that mindset or the personality trait, et cetera, that comes along with that, how do you have such grace with your kids? What is it, did you feel that there was ever a change or you just automatically have I, grace? I don't know, I just, I've, I feel like I've always been a nurturer. Like, to, like, like dreaming of having kids and things was just always my goal. Like accounting was picked because it fit with okay. being a mom. It was not, I was never career driven in the slightest. So it was about like um, my, the other career that I strongly considered for a while was being a teacher because then you have the teacher's schedule, which goes well with being a mom. So that's. Mm -hmm. <laughs> hey Cheryl, um, I would love to know how you've seen uh, the most growth or maturing uh, since you've been with Adam and then for Adam and then for yourself Ugh. and then mm -hmm. I would love to see where have you guys 
in what part of your life were you guys the closest? Um, so growth, I mean, we were 19 and had no idea what we were doing when we got married. Like, I can't believe they, like, they just, nobody even said, like, are you Christ crazy? Like, you're, you're kids. Um, nobody, like, well, no, Adam's brother questioned. One person said, like, you guys are nuts. And we we're moving across the country. Like, we, so we were, like, from our reception, like, my re wedding reception was a bunch of crying because we were leaving that day for Colorado. My sister was bawling, and we were, it was a mess. Like, we, it was a big mess. Um, so... The growth we've had together is just like we knew nothing, had nothing. Mm -hmm. We moved, we had no jobs. We were going, I, we, he already done his freshman year out there. I was transferring, so we were going to go to school, but like we had nothing and we knew nothing. And so I don't, I mean, the most matured, I just don't even know because it's like a completely different person. Like it's, we've been married 19 years now. So it's like, I don't even, recognize the person he was or that I was really I mean and so um, but when we've been the closest it's I mean I feel like we have seasons and times but it's when I look see how far we've come it just astounds me in our lives because it's this growth that I just never saw. And I, I didn't have a healthy picture of marriage or anything like that. So um, not that it's been easy, not that it's always been good, but it's um, steady, I guess, and that we can like look back and just be in awe of how far. I was a Pharisee. Yes, he was a Pharisee for a long time. Like that was, and so it was a lot of law, a lot of legalistic, a lot of head knowledge, a lot of death really in seasons like from just not no joy I would say for times but it's thank by the grace of Jesus we've come very far how, how do I hear God um so there have been a few times like when in when he spoke Samuel Mark to me it was it I don't know that it was audible but it was so loud and so clear that it was like whoa and it was so out of nowhere so but most of the time when I hear God it's a sense I have that I have come to realize is from him. I still, they call it the still quiet voice. And I just know sometimes, and it just comes with time and believing that it is him and growth. Awesome. Great question, honey. Thank you. Yeah. Great job, Cheryl. As I knew it would be always good to hear from you. And again, thanks for just sharing your heart with us.